0: Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Over fear. Um, so we'll be in First Kings chapter 19. There's an outline in your Bible. If you use the Bible app, uh, go to the events section And you should see our church pop up. If you click on that, it will give you the notes for today's message, Uh, Faith Over Fear. There's no doubt that we, at times, perhaps more often than not, maybe more than we care to admit, we are deeply afraid at different moments in our life. Uh, Fear takes over in our life. In 2020, um, researchers, uh, a part of the World Negative Experience Index, said that the index rose to its highest level in the 15 years that the Gallup was tracking the score. Four in 10 adults around the world say they experience worry or stress during much of the previous day. I saw four of 10 and I thought, that's really low. I want to talk to the six out of the 10 who aren't experiencing the worry and stress of the previous day. Dealing with these issues almost twice as many Americans say they would want to avoid fear 40% way more than shame or guilt. And as the culture around us seems saturated with fear and if you listen to any type of media in your life, whether it's social media or news media, really any type of media, they are one of the goals it feels like is to saturate us with fear. I learned that media, the root word for media is the middle. So they are in the middle of information and us. And the goal of media can be to shape the information one way or another. And if we're not careful, how many of you can find yourself just getting afraid the more media that you absorb in your life? So we want to take a few moments, a few weeks really, to study faith over fear. Um, our world is full of fear. So is the Bible. Not that the Bible is fearful, but God's Word has a lot to say about fear specifically. And so we're going to start in 2 Timothy 1. I have the verse for you on the slide. You can look to it if you'd like uh, in your Bibles. Uh, We'll get to 1 Kings in just a moment. This is going to be our launching verse into this series. In fact, why don't you say this verse with me? Ready, begin. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sometimes when I get a verse like this, packed with a lot of truths, I want to pick it apart. And so for just a moment, uh, who, uh, who is the subject of this verse? There's two big subjects here, right? We have God and we have us. For God has not given us. Now, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, it's not in this verse, but what kind of spirit has God given us? Right there, power, love, and sound mind. So the spirit God has given us is the Holy Spirit, right? If you go back into the Gospels, you can see that Jesus was present with the disciples um, physically. And when he knew he was going to die and leave physically, he began to prepare them for what life would look like without a physical Jesus. And without the physical Jesus in his presence, they would want to have some kind of influence in their life. And so God left behind an advocate, the Holy Spirit. So it says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he describes it three different ways, but of power and love and of sound mind. So when we think about faith over fear, what I'm asking you to consider is what is leading you as you make decisions. For a few weeks, we focus our attention here, faith over fear. Now, it doesn't mean that when we have opportunities to choose faith over fear, it doesn't mean that we are going to be careless it doesn't mean we're going to be irresponsible or out of control. But what I want you to picture in your mind is what spirit is leading you? Is it the Holy Spirit, God? Is it the spirit of power, love, and sound mind that's leading you? Or is it the spirit of fear? Because make no mistake, they will lead you in two different destinations. So we're in 1 Kings chapter 19 this morning. Uh, some places it might say 1 Kings 9. Oh, yep, right there on the screen. Uh, I was still on vacation mode, maybe, when I made uh, those slides. So, uh, 1 Kings 19 is where we're at. Let me read the story here this morning. For the next few moments, we're going to discuss Elisha, the life of Elisha. In just a moment, we'll read through three verses that kind of walk us through this story. Um, There was a guy by the name of Elijah. Some people get Elisha confused with Elijah. Elijah was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He was bold. He was full of faith. And Elisha wanted to be just like Elijah. In fact, he asked for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And God in His sovereign will gave Elisha uh, the opportunity to study under Elijah. And He gave Elisha a double portion of the anointing. Elisha actually performed more recorded miracles in Scripture Than anyone outside of Jesus Christ. Now, what's ordinary about Elisha is he's an ordinary person. You're going to see that in the text. He wasn't the son of a priest. He wasn't uh, anointed as a child, perhaps like Samuel. He wasn't anointed as a teenager like David. He was just an ordinary guy living with his parents, working on a farm when God called him. And what we can take from this is this, God will choose us if we are available. Now, the context of this is we're talking about the 9th century B.C., in a time when Israel is very divided. There's a lot of tension. And many people were worshiping the false god of Baal. And so God raised up this ordinary guy to do some amazing things. Let's read verse 19. It says this, So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 team of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak around his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I've done to you. Verse 21, so Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople. They all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Let's walk through uh, these verses here in just a moment, but I want to give you some context to where we're headed here. Next week we're going to see this story about Elisha where uh, he asks some people to dig some ditches before water is even apparent, and there's uh, a lesson there that when our faith is small, sometimes it's, a, um, it's difficult for us to dream big, and so we're going to talk about what that looks like next week. In the third week, we're going to look at a widow who was desperate sin. She had every reason to fear what was about to happen. She had every reason to fear the future, and some of you are thinking, um, I fear the future. The poor lady was about to lose her two sons and all she had to her name was a little jar of oil we're going to look at that story and unpack it a little more and in the fourth week we're going to look at this really interesting miracle about an axe head in uh in elisha's story and really what we're going to find out is what it looks like for us to get our spiritual edge back Uh, sometimes through the course of time and when fear enters our life we're not as spiritually close to god as we used to be, so we're going to walk through that. But today we're going to look at this. Faith over fear will take commitment. If you look back in your text at verse 19, we see Elisha is plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself is driving the 12th yoke. So here's a picture of a couple of oxen. I was Googling pictures, and most of them were um, um, of the front of them. Because if you're plowing with oxen, typically, are you going to be in the front or the back? You're going to be in the back. I'm not going to show you the view of the back. I'm going to leave that to your imagination this morning. You might Google it on your own. This is a monotonous chore. Twelve yoke of ox. He's behind them, day after day, getting the field ready. I want you to think with me, what are you smelling if you're Elisha? Right? Uh, driving down on I-5 South, we're going to see my, uh, my folks, and um, there's about nine hours from here, about three hours outside of California, maybe, or four hours outside of Southern California, there's a there's stretch of um, stink on the I-5, um, and it's all, it's, all, it's all the dairy farms, right? And you just don't roll down your window for a couple of hours. Because once it gets in your nostrils, it does not escape. So this is Elisha. This is what he's smelling. We talked about what he's seeing. He's walking behind oxen every day. Um, so the scenery is oxen rears. Their tails. Their behinds. Now when you think about Elisha and the monotony of what he's doing, this is hard physical labor. It's monotonous behavior. In other words, it's the same kind of work every single day um, and he's just grinding away. He's being faithful in the very little things, and some of you may feel a little bit like Elisha. You're not looking at oxen rears, but you're doing the same thing day in and day out. You got the same job working with the same people, and you're looking like, uh, or you're, maybe you're feeling like, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel like I am staring at oxen rears. I wouldn't call your co-workers oxen rears, just for the record, but this is what you're feeling. Maybe some of you are in sales and and it's day in, day out, your quota is there and your quota gets met. And then the next day, the quota increases and you have to start over and over and over again. Maybe some of you are students and right now it feels like you're just doing the same thing over and over and, and there's no end in sight. Some of you are retired and every, you, you lose track of the days because every day is the same for you perhaps. Perhaps. And you start to think it's incredibly easy to lose your passion when all you see is the same environment every single day. I want you to notice, though, he was being faithful at the task at hand. I believe with all my heart that God loves to reward those who are faithful in the little things. And when you're faithful with the little things in your life, God trusts you with way much more. In the middle of his daily faithful routine, God saw in him something. He remembered the prayer request from Elisha that said, Hey, I want a double portion of what Elijah has. And so in verse 19, we see that Elijah goes up to him and he threw his cloak around him. Now, what in the world would that mean? to throw the cloak around them. Where in the Old Testament, this was very significant in a relationship between an employer and maybe their apprentice. What would that mean is uh, you would take your cloak, you would put it around them, and what you're saying now is um, whatever was covering me now covers you. There's a new mantle. There's a new responsibility. You were the student. I was the teacher, but now I'm transferring that over to you, uh, whatever God was working in me is now going to work in you. I am, I am, I am, I am setting you apart for a task. I am ordaining you for this. And so, when Elijah was taking the cloak and putting it around Elisha, it was a moment for Elisha to understand what you prayed for is now being answered. You have the responsibility now. There was a passing of the torch, there was an answer to Elisha's prayer, and it was an opportunity for Elisha to choose to believe in what God was going to do in him. So, this morning, two principles on faith over fear. Number one is this, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Everyone say that with me, you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. God's going to call him to follow in Elijah's footsteps and he doesn't know all the details. In fact, Elijah doesn't do a very good job giving him the application for the job. All he does is he comes over and he interrupts Elisha in his work and he takes the cloak off and he puts it around Elisha's shoulders and there in that moment, Elisha knew this was what I've been waiting for. This is the answer to the prayer in my life. I don't know what comes next, but I know I can obey right now and most of the time when God answers a prayer in your life, watch out because it just leads you to a new prayer request. Every time God answers a prayer in your life, it will lead you to another prayer request. So if you are at work and you pray for the next uh, promotion, guess what? There's more responsibility now. If you pray for the house, guess what? It comes with a mortgage now. If you pray to get into the college, guess what? Guess what happens? Late nights and, and studies and, and bills and quizzes and tests. If you, uh, if you start praying for a family, guess what happens? All of a sudden, your house is louder and noisier and messier than it was before. Every time God answers a prayer in your life, there will be another prayer request. And so you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And so when God calls us to do something, we don't always have to understand fully Elisha gets the cloak put around him. And the Bible has this very interesting um, tidbit. Elisha runs after Elijah. You remember what the request was? Just give me a moment. I want to I kiss my mother and my father goodbye, and then I'll come with you. He doesn't question his obedience or his Decision to obey. He doesn't draw out a list of pros and cons. In fact, he just simply says, what I've been praying for is now materialized, and I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future, but I'm willing to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. There is something in your life God is leading you towards, and if you're being honest, you're not obeying because you don't understand. And he said, God, I I don't... yeah, this thing you're asking me to do doesn't make sense. Yep. This thing you're asking me to do doesn't make financial sense. It doesn't make, I don't know how, how this is going to, there's so many questions. So if you could just send me a document that outlines exactly what would happen next, I'd be much more apt to believe and, and take the first step. We want our directions from God to be the voice by voice or the turn-by-turn naviga- navigations in our, our GPSs where you have the whole layout of exactly the turn-by-turn, and if we're being honest, God just says go. God just says forgive. God just says love this person. God just says be generous. I don't know how this would speak to you, but if you're ready... God wants you to obey immediately, even if you don't understand fully. In fact, furthermore, God is rarely going to give you the details to his plan. He's often strategically vague in his directions. God is often strategically vague. You want details, and I believe God would look at you and simply say, you can't handle the details. The details won't make sense to you. They're going to use names of people that you haven't even met yet. They're going to use resources you don't even have access to yet. They're going to use situations that you're not comfortable with yet. So I just need you to simply obey simply. God is often strategically vague in his directions. Um, I love the power of this In, in Scripture. There's so many times where we can look back and see people obeying based off the most simplest command. You think about Moses and God said simply, you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. What? Is there, have you made a business plan, God, about this? Do we have the resources? Do we have the time? Do we have the people? Have you talked to Pharaoh? Is he okay with this? He tells Abraham to simply go and I'll show you the land when you get to it. And Abraham didn't say, well, is the land occupied? Is there enemies there? Are there resources? Is there water? Is there room for my?" He just simply obeys. Peter, in the New Testament, Jesus was walking up on water, and Peter was like, well, this is ridiculous. There's a man walking on the water. And then he says, Jesus, if that's really you, you tell me to come. And Jesus gave him one word, and the word was simply come. And some of you, you might be hearing from God a word or a leading and i don't know what it will be but perhaps in a relationship maybe you're struggling right now and you're thinking about turning it in you're thinking about ending this relationship and maybe the word from god is simply stay forgive love Some of you are in a health situation and it doesn't look good and there's doctors who are running tests and there's all these types of different diagnoses and there's specialists and their second opinions and perhaps God is leading you in a moment where you simply trust. I say, God, I have a hard time trusting in something I don't know how the outcome's going to be. Yeah, sometimes you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Maybe you have an idea and God's put a dream in your heart and there's a ministry idea or a business idea and it's bigger than you and you don't understand how it might and God simply is leading you and says, go ahead and start. Some of you, you've been hanging around the church for a while or maybe around other believers and you're starting to grow a little bit with God and you start finding yourself praying and you start uh, listening to worship music and getting into your scripture and yet you're still observing and maybe God, uh, God's word for you this morning is simply commit. Commit to what's right in front of you. You don't have to understand everything to take the next step. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. I would say secondly, the second principle is this from 1 Kings. Those God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. Say that with me. Ready, begin. Those God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. You look at what Elisha does and it doesn't make sense. He goes to Elijah and he says to Elijah, give me a moment, I'm going to say goodbye to my mom and dad and then I'm in. And Elijah says, I want you to think about what I've done. The cloak I put on you, this is the answer to prayer. This is the start of of something. You have an opportunity now to take that cloak, to take that mantle, that responsibility. I want you to think about it. It doesn't say whether or not he goes back and says goodbye to his parents. But what it does record is he goes back, he takes his yoke of oxen, the animals, the equipment, the Bible says he slaughters them he kills them. The Bible says he burned the plowing equipment. He made a bonfire out of all of it. And he had a barbecue. And he fed the meat to his townspeople. And then he sent out to follow Elijah and became his servant. This is a ridiculous story through and through, isn't it? Twelve yoke of oxen. The Bible's very specific. This is just, this was his parents' Uh, property perhaps. Maybe it was his property. But he says to himself, well, God is calling me to go and follow this prophet to become just like him, maybe even greater. So what does he do? He says, I kill the cows and I burn the plows and I'm going to feed everyone I can. Now, symbolically, what's happening here with killing the cows is uh, there's a couple of things at stake here. Whenever God did something or answered prayer or was uh, speaking in the Old Testament, the common response was to have a sacrifice, to commemorate the moment, to honor the moment, to memorialize the moment so that you could remember it long past the actual exchange. And so in the New Testament, when the prodigal son returns, the father says, get me the fatted calf, right? Right? Let us burn it. Let us, or let's kill it. Let's barbecue it. Let's serve it. Let's have a party. Let's have a feast. And you can kind of see, but he goes and he also burns the plows. And it's almost like he's saying, I am going to burn my plan B. Whatever is preventing me from following wholly, from uh, obeying completely, I'm going to eliminate in my life. And if he came to any of us and he asked us our advice and Elisha came to us and said, hey, I have this amazing opportunity to follow Elijah. I have this amazing opportunity to follow in Elijah's footsteps. I've been praying for this moment. What should I do with my equipment? I think most of us would say, well, you should probably just put the equipment up. You're not going to use it for a while. Store it up, lock it up. Let's make sure it's safe. That way, if, if your parents ever need it or if someone else ever needs it, And what we're really saying is, if you ever really need it, you can go back to it. And yet Elisha does the very opposite. He takes the opportunity and he says, this is the moment where God is answering. Um, I'm kind of fearful of what might come ahead. And I'm fearful that my plan B will interrupt with God's call in my life. And so he takes the moment to burn the plows. It's interesting because in the New Testament, what you see in scriptures, there are times when people are so moved by God, they abandon what is safe in order to follow God's call. They abandon what would lead them into fear in order to follow Christ wholeheartedly. Whenever Jesus encounters Peter for the very first time, it's Luke chapter 5, Peter was having a bad day fishing. I love this story. He's fishing all day. Um, and he comes up empty. The Bible records he's with his brother Andrew, and he, after fishing all night, and if you kind of picture the scene, Jesus was probably on the banks of the shore teaching, or, or perhaps with another group of people. Peter pulls his boat in. They're dragging the nets in. They're cleaning the nets. They're docking the boat. And Jesus says, would you, would you do it one more time? Would you fish would you cast out your nets one more time? And Peter must have been exasperated. Andrew had known about who Jesus is, and so perhaps Andrew influenced Peter and said, hey, just just do what he says. I know it's a long night. I know it's been a long night. I know we're tired, and I know there's no fish in this part of the sea, but let's just do it. In the Bible, you know the story, right? The Bible records how he goes out, and he casts out the net one more time, and We don't know how long it took. The Bible isn't clear on that. I'd like to think it was like 90 seconds, right? (laughs) Like just long enough for you to think it's not going to work? What if it was an hour? I mean, what if it was a half hour? I replaced a car, a part on my car this weekend. It was the computer went out in my car. Um, And uh, so I put the new computer part back in. And um, I turned, I got it all in, and then I turned the ignition. And right when it went to start, there was this split second where I thought it wasn't going to work. It just felt like a dead battery. But the computer had to recognize the programming or whatever, and it was just that split second. I'd like to think there was just a little bit of extra time where Peter was like, see, I told you. I should have kept the oxen should have kept one of them I should have kept a plow I didn't have to throw the other and as soon as Peter's thinking that it's full right it's just full of net do you remember what happened to the net though it broke I think that's this interesting picture in the New Testament of what we're reading in the Old Testament That there's a part of Jesus that says, I'm going to fulfill something in your life, but I'm also going to need you to throw away your plan B. He broke Peter's nets. That which Peter did for a living, Jesus eliminated. His method of earning income his method of providing for his family we know Peter was married and he had a mother-in-law the way that he was going to provide was now eliminated and when God answers a prayer in your life make no mistake he may do so at the cost of your security he may do so at the cost of what you deem safe and when God fulfills something in your life he may be asking you to leave something behind and in that moment he says I never caught this until a couple of weeks ago when he says, I'm going to make you fisher of men. It's because Peter didn't have a choice. His nets were broken. They were ripped. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, we're not even going to mend your nets. We're not going to put them back together because from this day forward, you're called to something greater. Elisha's like, I got the cloak on me. This is big. This is the answer to prayer. This is what I've asked for. I didn't know it was happening. And he looks out and he stares at all the oxen rears. And he says, well, I gotta, I gotta give this to God because the first moment it's difficult, the first moment it doesn't make sense, the first moment I'm not happy, the first moment I wanna complain, I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna put the plow back on the oxen and I'm gonna come back. So he eliminates the safety. I want you to contextualize that to your life. I don't know what God is asking you to leave in terms of your security and your safety, but God, I believe, is speaking to some of you to say, I want you to choose faith over fear. And I know leaving your security and leaving your safety seems scary right now, but what I have in front of you is so much greater than what you're gonna leave behind. And so those that God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. I don't know what it would be in your life, but if there's something keeping you from serving God, I believe he wants you to burn that plow. If there is sin holding you back, burn that plow. If there is doubt holding you back, if there's a harmful relationship, an abusive relationship holding you back, if there's something holding you back from what's right in front of you, I believe God wants you to lean towards that. Those God uses the most are those that hold on to the least. Furthermore, though, to step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. To step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. God's going to speak to somebody, I believe, and give you the faith to believe that he's calling you to something new. Because you may be looking at the same situation in your life over and over again, and it's oxen rears, it's that monotony of your life, and you have an opportunity to choose faith over fear. It doesn't mean that God's going to lift you out of your situation miraculously, but it does mean that whatever you've identified as safe and secure in your life, if it's anything but by the blood of Jesus Christ, Him alone, He's asking you to leave it behind. Because those that God uses the most are those that hold on to the least. I wonder this morning, where does your fear anchor itself? What part of your life does fear hold on to? And for, many of, for, for all of us, it's going to be in different places. It might be completely in finances. Finances. And maybe the, 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 the fear in your life is surrounded around security, around finances, and your retirement, and your job, and, and working and paying uh, the bills, and affording, uh, buying things you can't afford, um, with money you don't have, to impress people you don't like. Right? And God's just saying, I just need you to step away from that fear, and lean into faith. For some of us, that fear has to be around uh, relationships. And, and there's this relationship or that relationship. And, and the opinion of that person holds far too much weight in your life. And you say, well, I can't really, I can't really um, lean into this relationship anymore. Because if I do, I might alienate myself. And the opinion of others is driving you in your relationships to the point where you're not moving or leading at all. And God is saying simply, I want you to choose faith over fear. For some of us, it might be, um, there might be some health concerns or there might be um, something out of your control. There's something out of your control Whether it's finances, faith, or I'm sorry, finances or health, or maybe relationships. And because there's this thing that's out of your control, it strikes fear in your heart. It might be something that's not even um, something that I haven't mentioned. But I really, truly believe that in these moments, God is asking us to choose Him over what might be around us. God has has not given us a spirit of fear but of power of love and a sound mind you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately and God is often strategically vague in his directions but those who God uses the most are those that hold on to the least. And for some of us, we are going to have to step towards our destiny by stepping away from our security. Can I pray for you this moment? Would you bow your heads for just a moment? (coughs) Father, God, we give you this time. We pray that you would build faith in this church. Oh, Father, I pray corporately as a as a body of believers, you would build faith. But Lord, I'm praying for individuals. I'm praying for single moms who are trying to raise up their family for the glory of God. I'm praying for business owners who are trying to make decisions that honor and glorify you, but also serve our community. I'm praying for students right now that are trying to juggle curriculum and study and faith and Activities. I'm praying for college students right now who are trying to juggle the demands of relationships, of study, of bills. I'm praying for those who are retired, who are trying to balance all of the different relationships in their life. Father, would we be a people of faith? Father, I pray that we would recognize it is impossible to please you without faith. We want to follow you. We want to go where you are leading us. So we pray that we would be able to make difficult decisions, but ultimately decisions that choose you, that choose faith over fear. I'm going to ask that you keep your heads bowed for just a moment. We're going to take communion in just a few moments. And if you're at home, we encourage you to prepare some elements at home so you can Take communion with us to honor the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For those of us here, there are stations all around the auditorium. There's four or five stations. We're going to have one of our men uh, lead us in communion in just a few moments, and then they're going to pray over it. And when he does, there will be gloved and masked attendants uh, at these different stations. We just invite you to come up out of your seat and go to those stations and take communion. Take it back to your seats. and Have a moment with God to honor and celebrate Him and then take communion. I wonder as we prepare our hearts for that moment, what security do you need to step away from that will allow you to step toward your destiny? There's something that's holding us back. There's, there's usually something that's holding us back. What would that be in your life? We're not asking you to write that down or to submit it to anyone, but I'm asking you before a holy and a righteous God who loves you, would you be willing to tell him what that is? Would you be willing to give that to him? What is God asking you to do that you need to obey immediately? Maybe there's something in your life where you don't understand it fully, but you know God is leading you towards this obedience. And it might be something very simple, but he wants you to obey very simply. And for some reason, you just haven't. God's leading you, but you haven't. This is the opportunity to do so. I'm going to ask our worship team to come forward. They're going to help us worship here in a moment as we prepare our hearts for communion. We're going to sing some beautiful truths about our Savior, like Jesus is the name above all names. Before that I'd like to pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a work in us. I pray that over the next four weeks, God, as we look at your word, as we look at the life of Elisha, I pray that through hearing your word, you would build our faith, God. that we would believe in not just believe in what we can do, but believe in who you are. Father, when you call, I want to obey. I want to obey simply, completely, and fully. Father, I pray for those who are making decisions right now. They're identifying what it is that's holding them back, or maybe they know that they need to obey in a part of their life. I pray you would give them the courage to do so. I pray we would be surrounded by those who would build our faith. That when you call us, give us the faith to obey. and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.